Welcome to Doctors of Tomorrow 56 podcast, a medical podcast for anyone ranging from middle school students to attending physicians, and for anyone interested in learning more about the medical field from all around the world. Welcome to this very exciting episode today. We have an internal medicine and pediatrics resident. So without further ado, we introduce Dr. Grossman. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for coming and taking the time to sit with me. Really appreciate it. Of course, my pleasure. Okay. So the first question is, what inspired you to pursue medicine? Well, that's a charged question there, but <laughs> definitely a good question. When I was in my teenage years, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. The one thing I had going on was that I was a type 1 diabetic, which I was diagnosed around 12. So yeah. uh, throughout high school, I tried my best, you know, took a few AP courses courses wasn't the top of my class and that's a big theme is I, I want to let people out there know that you don't have to be the top of your class to be a doctor by any means in fact I don't know if those people are, are the ones that always should be the doctor and I'll get into that kind of why I guess a little bit later yeah I mean I wasn't the top of my class I worked hard I eventually got into college I went to the University of California at Irvine um, I started out as a bio major and I was like oh my god this is like so difficult um, and I would switch to psychology. This is a little bit easier. I could still help people. And I was like, you know, a good amount of time into it. And I was like, this is not enough, man. I, I, I need I need more out of life. And I want to like give back more to my uh, community. Ultimately, I ended up double majoring <laughs> in bio and psych <laughs> and applied for medical school. It kind of came down to just having diabetes and being a chronic patient and understanding the importance of doctors and nurse practitioners took a lot of good care of me as well. But I think that like whatever reason you have for going into medicine, if it's meaningful to you, it's, that's legitimate. And I don't think there's like a right reason to go into medicine. For sure. I completely understand. So could you maybe go into how you prepared for your MCAT and medical school as a whole? So I'll talk a little bit about undergrad. So like, as I mm -hmm. said, I was a bio and a psych major. Eventually kind of combined and did both towards the last two years. But for my first two years, I was a bio major. A lot of difficult courses, chemistry, physics, um, even some of the bio courses like um, like biochem are incredibly difficult. Um, so I really struggled, wasn't getting the grades I wanted. It was probably like a beast. And towards my last two years, I said, you know what? I really got to step it up. I got to figure out what's a good study method. How am I going to get this info into my brain? Because I truly believe you don't have to be a smarty pants to go to med school. It's not, it's not about being naturally smart. And there's a ton of people, great people out there who are naturally smart and who still work hard. But um, I wasn't one of those people. So I, I really had to work my butt off to to get to a point where I to get this information in my head so I could be on a level playing field with these really intelligent people I was, you know, in, in, in these classes with. Um, so I figured out a really cool study method, which I, I won't get into today, but um, if, if people want to reach out to me, I'm happy to describe it to them and, and talk about it. But it's essentially just using mnemonic systems and a types of study repetition and meaningful repetition rather than just like watching videos and hoping that the information gets into my brain or going to lectures and hoping that it seeps into my brain. It's, it's just active learning. Um, so eventually I picked my GPA up towards the last two years and you know I worked hard for that and I was really happy about it. Um, and I got my GPA to a good spot, but it wasn't the best spot where I really wanted it to be. Um, so nonetheless, um, I you know, graduated and uh, I, I took my MCATs after graduation. Uh, I'm a big proponent of that. I think, one, it's it's good to take time off between college and med school because it's okay to take a break. You've been in school for your entire life. I think it's totally, there's no like rush to be a doctor. Um, and if you say, oh, but I, like, I wanna, you know, give back and make a positive difference in people's lives right now, that's fine. You don't have to be a doctor to do that. You can do that in so many other ways. So take that year off, 
do some volunteer activities, give back. One, it's, it feels good for you. It's a good thing to do. And two, you can put that on your application. You can build your application a little bit more. Uh, in that year off, you can maybe work, make some cash, save up for school, um, maybe do some research uh, with your institution. I mean, the world is your oyster in that year off, and you can really boost your application. I know a lot of people do post-bac programs or masters. I don't think that that's necessary, but it's definitely something to do. So anyways, in that last year, I took my MCAT. And I actually took it twice. The first time I took it, I got a pretty decent score. It wasn't the best score, probably just above the minimum that most med schools wanted. Um, and I was pretty happy with it because I worked really hard and came from like a really low average score when I started. Um, and again, I'm not the smarty pants. So um, <laughs> this is I'm, I'm being truthful with you guys. Yeah. Um, and I took the second MCAT. And this was actually when they revamped the MCAT and made it twice as long and like twice as hard. So I took both. Um, and I applied for schools. Um, and the way I, so, so, so the way I, uh, I studied for the MCAT, because I think that's what your initial question was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like to build up. I, I want to tell the full story. Mm -hmm. For um, sure, for sure. I think it's important for everyone to hear. Um, so uh, I, I took um, the Kaplan review course. Um, it was the one, there's like different options you can do. Um, you can do like a in-person live. You can do like a, uh, online live, you can do like uh, pre-recorded courses and then you can do like a just textbooks without video, something like that. So I basically did pre-recorded because I was like, all right, they're going to say the same stuff in every video. I don't need to be live. And uh, I was happy with that. And then um, I did, you know, the textbook reading, which Kaplan has amazing material. They're so good. Uh, they're great for med school too. If you ever get into med school, they have amazing, amazing things for for learning and studying for exams because ultimately guys medicine is medicine at the end of the at the end of the day wherever you are in the world whatever school you're at it's really all the same it's really not that different um so they really mastered the way that they um you know deliver material and i'm not paid for it by them by the way because <laughs> it sounds like i am but there's other courses like i'm sure the berkeley review is good i don't know i'm sure there's other courses out there amboss i think has something now um, whatever, whatever you pick, they're all pretty good. Just pick a reputable one that you've heard of or that people have heard of and just go for it. Um, if I were to go back in time, I probably would have picked a live course in person because one, it would have forced me to really pay attention because I was like paying a ton of money and like I would get my money's worth while I was there. And also, um, if I had questions that popped up that the text or the video couldn't answer for me or, you know, Dr. Google couldn't answer for me, I could ask that person live so I, I think that's important if you have the funds then then do it and if you don't have the funds that's okay too a lot of this stuff is is offered online you i'm not saying to do illegal things but you can access a lot of this stuff in theory um <laughs> so just search google there's a lot of lot of uh, resources out there and you really don't need to be rich to to get a medical education um or a pre-medical education all right so i took the mcats i did okay um, and uh, it worked out. But you have questions. So I'm going to answer your questions, and I'll try to fit my story into it. Well, thank you for sharing that. I was, like, I was hearing and everything, very inspirational how you explained how you basically picked yourself up and got where you are. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of course, of course. So the next one would be, is there any specific thing that you really enjoyed about medical school? Um, yeah. All right. So here we go. Fitting my story into the question. <laughs> well, I, I applied to USMD, 
USDO, for those of you who don't know, MD and DO are legit the same in my eyes. One school uh, is just newer and has like incorporated kind of musculoskeletal manipulation, kind of holistic practice, hands-on type of stuff in, uh, in addition to the regular MD ed education. So apply to both, apply to both. Um, and then the last place I applied to was international schools. Most people know about the Caribbean schools, St. George Ross, AUC, uh, St. Kitts, uh, stuff like that, which I think everyone should apply to unless you're like 100% know you're going to get into a U.S. school, like apply to apply to these places. Um, nobody's too good for, you know, a medical education if they want to be a doctor. So, uh, you know, I, I know some people who kept applying for MDDO schools in the U.S. for years and years and didn't get in until like five or six years later. So some of those people that I know now are just now starting medical school. Um, when I decided, hey, listen, you know, my grades are okay, my grades are decent, and I got into this international school, and it worked out for me. I researched it, I made sure that I had good chances of getting through, I made sure they had good match rates, and it worked out for me because I did my research. And just because I didn't go, go to Harvard doesn't mean I'm not a good doctor. You know, I, I've worked with a lot of doctors who came from really reputable schools, and I work with the doctors who haven't come from reputable schools, and I can't say that the better doctor is always the one that came from the reputable school. So apply broadly. So I applied broadly for like the following year cycle with this one school in Israel called uh, the Sackler School of Medicine at Tel Aviv University. Um, reached out and said, hey, listen, we know you applied for next year. We've actually got an opening for like this year and you, could, you, you just need to come in like a month. I was like, what, in a month? Uh, you want me to move to Israel entirely? I was like, uh, let me think about that. So I thought about it and I was like, you know what, let's do it, man. Let's do it. Yeah, good match rates. I've been to Israel before. It's a beautiful country, nice people. Let's see how it goes. All right. You only live once and I'm not going to sit around for another year and like do volunteer research. I mean, they're giving me, they're saying to me, you know, you can be a doctor. It's time. Let's go. And I was like, all right, let's go. So I did it. Um, so medical school was a, to answer your question now, medical school was an absolutely fantastic time uh, in Israel um, as far as like outside of medical school life. Um, within medical school, um, you know, as I said, education is, is really the same wherever you're going. It's obviously the experiences and the people are, are, are going to be the, the, the kind of like dependent factors on where you are. But ultimately, I think you'll get whatever experience you want out of any medical school you go to. As long as you have the ability to kind of speak your mind, figure out what you want and like make moves. Um, medical school, even if you get into the U.S., is not a path to take if you just kind of want things hand, hand like spoon fed to you. Uh, because ultimately you're not going to survive when you get into residency um, because it's a lot of self-directed actions and self-directed learning and um, you really need to have strong will of your own to, to kind of get through the job. Um, so anyways, you know, uh, living in Israel was a fantastic time. Um, I really enjoyed the culture and the people, um, you know, learning a foreign language, you know, working with people from that moved there from around the world. It's a very international country. There's French, there's Russian. Middle Eastern people, uh, people from Africa, like all over the world come there. So I thought it was not only a good education, but it was a good cultural education because, you know, those same people are going to be here in the U.S. that I'm going to be interacting with. And it's important to, you know, not, uh, understand where people come from and, and understand, you know, uh, the struggles and, and the story about people's cultures so that you can better treat them. Um, but ultimately, you know, most people just want someone who's kind to them and is looking after them and is honest with them and tells them what's up and, you know, it, it, you know, kind of kneels down to their level and says, listen, listen, this is what's going on. I'm here to help you. Let's get through it. Um, hopefully that answers your question.
Yeah, for sure. That's solid advice. Thank you. So could you maybe go into what made you pick to become an internal medicine and pediatrics resident? I know that you're a resident right now, but what made you pursue that? Yeah, man. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for researching. Me, like you, <laughs> for you, sure. You know what I do. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of fields in medicine you can go into. And I, I don't know what the majority of your of, of your listeners are, if they're undergrad or high schoolers i imagine that's kind of the mix of them yeah it's both but i would say more high school but we more do have some undergrads okay more high school okay so yeah. i'll give my answer towards that then so like within medicine you have a lot of different fields um but there's different ways to like break it up so you have like surgical versus like non-surgical so uh they're not like mutually exclusive right so like Surgery does a lot, a lot of medicine, non-surgical things too. Like they have patients that they take care of that every solution isn't to like cut them open. Like there's other medical ways to help them out, right? And I have patients, you know, uh, in the ICU who I've managed medically, but there are times where I need to cut their skin open, put like a line in them, or I need to make an incision in their abdomen, drain fluid out of it, maybe drain their chest cavity if they have fluid in their lungs. I mean... It's not mutually exclusive, but obviously the degree of, of, of kind of the surgical intervention that you're doing is, is going to be a lot higher on the surgical side. Um, so that's kind of how you break up the fields of medicine. You can also break it up into inpatient versus outpatient, meaning like, do you work in a hospital? Do you work in a clinic? Um, and so I ultimately decided, like, I, I was, didn't want to be a primarily surgical person. I wanted to be a thinker. I wanted to figure out based on clues that the patient was giving me based on physical exam, based on imaging and laboratory findings and vitals and say, okay, this is what they have. Here's, here's how I'm going to help them. Um, I found that to be most like intellectually stimulating because at the end of the day, you know, um, I, 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 I respect all fields of medicine, but for me, you know, I didn't want to just kind of have somebody come in with abdominal pain as a surgeon and, you know, the medical people or the ER people call me and say, Hey, we think he has appendicitis. So they've already done the legwork for me. They've already diagnosed him. And all I have to do is cut him open. Right. So of course there's a, a huge amount of skill, you know, in doing surgical procedures. That's just not where my interest lied or lies. Um, so uh, ultimately I, I decided I wanted to do a medical field. I also, you know, I've been working with kids my entire life, uh, you know, uh, teaching, um, in camps, uh, in religious kind of set, like, um, centers. Uh, so I was like, man, I really want to work with kids too. So I originally heard of something called family medicine, which is something that came out, I believe in the sixties, uh, due to the shortage of a lot of different, uh, physicians in like underserved and like underpopulated areas so that these physicians could come into, you know, a remote area and like treat a bunch of conditions and do even procedures, do surgeries um which is which was huge right for people in small towns who don't have access to to like modern medicine or, or any medicine right so this field came out and i was like wow this sounds amazing i would love to do a little bit of surgery a little bit of adults a little bit of peds do some obstetrics gynecology like do a little bit of everything like i would i would be like the ultimate doctor right <laughs> so it sounded yeah. great to me it sounded like a really good time and you know the pay i heard was decent and you know it's kind of a humble uh, way to really help people. You really get down uh, on the on the ground with people, and it sounded really great. But ultimately, you know, the field has kind of transformed in, in, in the sense that, you know, uh, they're not doing as much as they used to because one, um, 
there's we probably have more doctors and two um there's now uh you know programs set up to to get people help with specialists right so if i have an appendix that's burst i probably want to have the person that's doing 300 appendix removals a year rather than the person that did like two last year you know what i mean yeah so like that's kind of what it comes down to and i was like all right so this feels not gonna work out for me but I actually applied to it still. It, it was my primary field because it still had a lot of what I wanted. I, I was still dealing with a lot of, of what was happening. But towards the end of my fourth year in medical school, I heard about this really weird uh, field that's super small, super small, not many people trained in it, called uh, MedPeds, which is short for internal medicine and pediatrics combined. So internal medicine is you know working with adults and uh, pediatrics is working with kids. And both of those encompass literally everything, like treating any condition. Or, and if you can't, you learn how to how to refer and how to get the right help and, uh, you know, manage a patient alongside someone who's a specialist. Right. So um, I was like, well, this sounds really interesting because with MedPeds, I'd be able to work in a hospital setting because I fell in love with the hospital. I love the acuity. I love how. Uh, the patients were, you know, needed acute help. I could help them right in that moment. Uh, I'd have all the resources available uh, available to me. I could get labs. I could get imaging. Boom, boom, boom. It would happen right there, which was awesome, right? With family medicine, it's really an outpatient field, right? It's it's more of a clinic-based, you know, sort of thing. So the majority of your patients aren't necessarily – it's not going to be an emergency. It's going to be something that's a slower process. But coming along with that, you know, uh, it also takes a – you know, uh, arguably a lot more scale because you don't have all of the the entities that I, you know, that a person in the hospital would have to, to, to you know, make a diagnosis, whether that's drawing labs, whether that's doing imaging, monitoring them on a day-to-day basis, putting in IVs, all the all these sorts of things that you that you do in, in a hospital. So these people really have to kind of uh, figure things out, you know, the old cowboy way, um, which takes a lot of skill and is probably a skill that's, you know, might be being lost uh, with a lot of physicians, you know, a physical exam, just checking out a patient with your own eyes and hands. I mean, like we still do it, but man, I mean, you know, if I have the ability to call up and uh, get the ultrasound guy to just scan someone's abdomen and tell me about their heart, you know, what's, what's the point of me listening with my stethoscope and, you know, it's kind of like a caveman. It's like making, you know, with rocks. It's like rocks versus, you know, like a huge technological machine. So uh, it's understandable, but it's still nonetheless important. And maybe that's a story for another time. But um, anyways, I, I, I applied to both fields, um, but ultimately with the preference of med peds because I really wanted to work in a hospital. And although family doctors can do that too, I knew that I have a much better chance of uh, – working in a hospital, in a big center, uh, in a big city. I'm more of a city guy at heart. Um, so uh, it worked out for me. I, I ended up out here in Long Island, so I'm out in residency now. It's a four-year program. I'm a third-year resident right now, so I've got another year to go after this. And I'm going to be applying, because I'm crazy, to a fellowship now. So I've already done – I'll be doing eight years of postgraduate work, so 12 years total of schooling after high school. And now I'm signing up for three more to do um, a, a combined fellowship, another combined fellowship, because I have issues making decisions um, in something called pulmonary medicine and critical care. So it's essentially ICU doctors who are also trained as pulmonologists who are lung specialists. So that means I'm taking care of the sickest patients in the hospital, 
um, with you know very um, powerful medications, ventilator machines, um, ECMO devices, um, and even doing you know procedures where I go in with a camera into the lungs and do interventions. And, uh, so it's very exciting. It's very rewarding, and uh, you know I, I haven't obviously been accepted into the field yet, but it's something I'll, I'll be applying into because I have a big interest in it. Um, yeah, I kind of really took that. Uh, that question off but <laughs> no it's fine it's really awesome hearing how because it's like i'm saying it's always interesting hearing how a certain doctor explains and basically shows me an in-depth look into how much they love what they do i always find it very very interesting so thank you for sharing that of course yeah. it's always interesting like i'm saying it's always 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 interesting so my next question would be are there any like specific traits or characteristics if someone wants to become an internal medicine and pediatrics? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I would say so. I think you have to really care about um, giving back to your patients, uh, maybe some more than, than a lot of other fields because one, you're not going to be compensated as much for your time. You might be staying later, the hours might be longer. Um, and a lot of what you do is, is, is psychological work. You're, you're talking to the patients and reassuring them and describing things to them and kind of layman's terms to help them understand what their condition is. And so there's a lot of work that's just beyond the medicine aspect, which, you know, I, as I said, I, I, I got a degree in psychology too. So I, I love that. I have an interest in it, but, um, uh, you have to be willing to do that. And, and, you know, prior to that, uh, is, you know, you have to kind of, know how to interact with people you know how have to know how to socialize you have to know how to interpret uh kind of hidden meanings if a patient's trying to tell you something but in a roundabout way so it's really important so that's why i said you know uh, i mentioned earlier it's important to take a year off after school to take the mcat not only to take the mcat but to kind of grow up and and learn you know about yourself to do some extracurricular activities to grow as a person at the end of the day you don't want to roll if, if you just wanted somebody to take care of you as a doctor uh, and just treat your condition, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, send you out, end of the story. I mean, you know, you know, let's get these robots to do it for us, right? <laughs> let's like start making some software and just having like, you know, WebMD just diagnose us all and prescribe us pills, right? But, you know, it, it comes down to more than that. And obviously the science of medicine is, is not at a point where we can just kind of put it all on paper. It's very nuanced and it doesn't always follow the rules. So that's why, you know, humans are still yeah. running that field. But, you know, like a, a, a lot of what goes on in a patient's head uh, needs to be addressed while they're, you know, acutely ill. And um, I think MedPeds uh, and family medicine and internal medicine and pediatrics, you know, all these general medicine fields are incredibly important uh, in that aspect. And again, you know, a lot of other fields do this as well. But it's certainly a big part of uh, of my field. Um, other other things you need to have as a if you want to be a good doctor is you need to have good work ethic, right? If you get lazy really quickly, that's normal. But when it's time to crunch and somebody needs your help and you got to do the work, are you the type of person that procrastinates? Are you the type of person that says, you know what, we got to get this work done. This is due on Monday. If I don't do it today, I won't do it tomorrow. And Johnny's going to be upset that I didn't do the project and Billy's going to be upset and it's just not going to work out. So you got to try to kind of think ahead, have a really good work ethic and be willing to put in the extra time, right? You know, I, my, my, my schedule is seven to seven, 
six days a week right now. Okay, that's a lot. So that's yeah. 12 hour days, seven days a week. So do you think I'd just stay that long all day? No, there's no way. I'm usually an hour or two longer than that on either end of that. If I have to come in early to help out, you know, other doctors that are newer to the field or nurses, or if I have to stay extra late to put in special IV lines or do some procedures that the current doctor on doesn't necessarily know how to do, I got to stay on and do that because otherwise the patient suffers, you know, and, and that's, that's, that's not good. So, uh, you know, that's kind of what you, you need to be a doctor, probably in general. Um, but the, probably the most important thing is just like, you know, willingness to learn and willingness to become better. If you're just content with who you are right now, that's great. But you got to be ready to grow up and, and really get better and be the best person you can until you're like, you fall into your grave. Because this, this field is constantly changing. There's new research coming out every day. Um, and if you get complacent and you get lazy, your patients are going to notice that your peers are going to notice that your staff are going to notice that, and you're going to fall to the wayside and you're not going to be one of the strong doctors, um, that, you know, your patients and that hospitals want to work with. You got to really, really work hard. And that's why like medical schools and, <clears throat> you know, college programs that are pre-med expect so much out of you is because they know how long the road is, um, and how much ethic uh, and time and passion you have to put into the field. Um, and that's why they expect so much of you on the front end. I used to not understand it. And now like, you know, 11 years into it, man, <laughs> well, I understand. I'm so tired, but you know, I love what I do. I do. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Solid advice once again. So <laughs> my next question would be, I, I know that you explained how, like right, basically right now you said that there's new research coming out and everything. So, how do you see internal medicine and pediatrics changing maybe in the next 10 years or more? That's a good question, man. That's a really good question. I think it could go a lot of ways. I, I don't know if there's an answer to that. You know, what I imagine is more and more technology will be incorporated into our daily lives uh, as physicians. And instead of me having to, I mean, just look at COVID, for example, right? So, yeah. you know, we had this crazy pandemic happen. I had no idea what was going on and you know everybody stepped up researchers scientists physicians we all stepped up and figured out what was going on how you know how to diagnose it and potentially how to treat it and you know uh that's huge so we, that kind of just showed you how the process works at like getting things done so if i'm an outpatient doctor and i have an issue with diagnosing patients with a certain condition right now because i'm limited with my resources you bet there's somebody out there who also feels that way. And you bet there's another person out there who feels that way, who's got a connection to somebody who's in research or something, blah, 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 blah. Uh, that's that's gonna develop something that's gonna potentially help out that process, right? Um, money makes the world go round. So if there's a way to to pay for these, you know, these processes to better patient care, and there's a cost-effective way to, you know, to build these sorts of, uh, these programs, then someone's gonna do it. And, uh, you know, uh, one thing, for example, is now ultrasound has become a really big thing, right? You probably know of ultrasound from people who are pregnant getting ultrasound checks, right? But ultrasound is used in everything. You know, I, I carry around an ultrasound with me at the hospital. I can diagnose lung conditions, heart conditions. Um, I can tell you if there's tubes in, I can place special IVs. I can perform procedures, paracentheses, thoracentheses, all these things with, with ultrasound, which 
prior to, you know, the last 10 or 20 years wasn't really done. And it's now become incorporated because one, it's better for patient safety. Uh, and two, um, you know, it's, it's super applicable uh, to so many people that need it. So, um, you know, uh, I'm sure ultrasound is one thing that's, that we, you know, we can expect is going to be brought into outpatient centers as long as, you know, doctors are willing to learn them uh, and, and understand them and, and how to diagnose conditions, right? I've got a patient with like a thyroid nodule, rather than waiting three weeks for them to go to the endocrinologist, get a referral for a thyroid check. They get the thyroid check in a week because that's the only appointment they had. They come back to the endocrinologist. He says, you have this. Then he goes back to you. It's been like three or four weeks. And you're like, dude, this guy's had a thyroid nodule that could be cancer this whole time when I could have legit just like pulled out my ultrasound, looked at it and been like, that looks super sus. Let's go in there <laughs> and aspirate that and figure out like what, what that is like right now in the office, you know? Um, so, you know, I think that's how, you know, uh, medicine's going to change. And I think that's how it's always, you know, been changing. It's just driven kind of by a need for, uh, you know, new techniques and, and new ways of diagnosing and treating conditions. And I think we're doing a really good job as, as a, as a field, uh, as the field of medicine and in, in doing that. And uh, I have no doubt we'll keep doing it. For sure. So I know you're very busy. So my last question would be, what advice would you give to someone aspiring to become an internal medicine and pediatrics, such as yourself? Yeah. Man. So the first thing I'll say is, um, uh, uh, reach out to me online for your specific questions. You know, I'll, it's Alejandro, right? <laughs> yes, sir. So Alejandro has asked some great questions today. And hopefully that answered some of your questions, but I'm sure a ton of you have way more burning questions. I created my Instagram account, legit. It was my own personal Instagram account to meet friends, but ultimately I decided that, you know, uh, I wanted to really do more with it. And, and, you know, I saw it as a technology that could help people out. It could help pre-med students out and pre-college students out. So it's literally there to answer your questions. So I'm not Brad Pitt. I'm not, I don't have no time in the day to answer your questions. So if you have questions, just shoot me a page on my Instagram. It's Jeremy uh, Grossman underscore. So J-E-R-E-M-Y Grossman underscore. That's my last name. They used to call me uh, Jeremy Grossman as a kid, teasing me. So uh, I've grown up a lot since then. I'm still a Jeremy Grossman, but in a different kind of way. So hit me up with your specific questions. But to answer Alejandro's last question, What's it going to take to be a doctor? I mean, it's kind of a summer, you know, summarized what, what, what we kind of talked about today. It's, it's, do you have a passion for, for learning? Okay. Not just medicine. Do you have a passion for learning? Do you have a passion for helping others? Are you doing, are you helping others now? Or are you just saying that because society says that you should help others? Are you going down the street every day, seeing that homeless gal or guy on the street and giving them a buck? Are you just walking by and ignoring them? Like they're not there. Are you volunteering at your local, um, your local animal shelter? Are you giving time to, you know, help kids study after school? I mean, what are you doing right now to help somebody out? Because you're going to be doing that 100% of your time. So how do you even know if you want to do that? Right? How do you even know? So so start giving back and see if you like the feeling that that it gives. It doesn't make that person if you don't like it, but just get used to doing that because that's, that's the feeling you're going to experience as a doctor, right? Uh, so giving back, passion for learning, Hard workers, no lazy person, unfortunately, is, is going to get into, into medicine, and probably rightfully so. I don't want anyone lazy working on me while I'm, on, you know, passed out on the table with a, with a first appendix. You know, I want somebody who's going to work hard at yeah. getting that appendix fixed, you know what I'm saying? 
So that's, that's kind of really it. I mean, just be a good person and work hard. That's really all it takes. And ultimately, you know, some of you are going to get into med school and some of you aren't. And that's fine. There's so many fields in the world that you can give back and you can make a positive difference in the world. Just society sometimes tells you that being a doctor is like the best one. But more so, you've got things like nurse practitioner, nurses, PAs, uh, techs, radiology techs, right? A ton of different things. Vets, like who knows? There's so many things out there in the healthcare field and beyond the healthcare field for you to give back. So look into it, you know? I mean, you owe it to yourself. Like, you know, I don't know if it's you or your parents or your family, whoever's like, whoever's driving you to go into medicine, just like take a step back and say, is this what I want to do? Is this actually what I want to do? Like, it's a lot of time you're committing to it, right? And it's, and it's going to take a large chunk out of your life. And I love what I do. I love so much what I do. So I don't like want to leave the hospital sometimes because I really enjoy what goes on there. And I hope the same for you guys and whatever you choose. But ultimately, that's it, man. That's really it. Well, thank you, Dr. Grossman, for taking the time in this very busy time and era for sitting down with me and answering these questions. Thank you very much. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me out. For sure. Okay, thank you. All right, take care, everyone. Best of luck. Yeah. Take care, Alondra. You too.